Welcome. This is Corinne Motokaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. Well, hello, hello, hello. I've been thinking about you all lately, and we have people that have been on this listening to the show from the early days, like Allie from Alabama, and we have people who have come in and out of the show through the years and been listeners, as well as those of you who are new. So one of the things I'm going to be doing over the next several weeks at the start of the episode is I will be giving and sharing with you a little bit of tidbits about me that maybe you didn't pick up about my story along the way, because it's always interesting when I meet listeners on the other side of the connections that we have and whether you knew it or not. So I thought this would be fun because it has been 15 years and that's a whole lot of listening to to get to these points. So before we go into today's show, I'm going to share with you a little about me and I invite you to share about you with me. And here are three ways that you can share with me. One is leave an Apple podcast review. Two, go to Instagram and tag me at Corinne Motokaitis and share this episode and tell me three things about you or three, send us an email at hello at how she really does it.com. And my team will send those over to me as well. So you have three options, Apple podcast review, and let me know three things about you. Instagram tag me along with this show, this episode, or hello at how she really does it.com. I'm so excited to get to know you and for me to share a bit about myself. So I am half Korean, and half European. And I put European, I used to call myself white, but really I'm European. I'm from all these different European countries. And growing up, I believed I was biracial. And it wasn't until back in 2020 that I interviewed Charlie Gilkey. And and I think he pointed it out that I'm multiracial, right? 50% Korean. And then I'm Irish, Scotch, English, Portuguese, Italian, German, lots of Europe, right? For growing up, I would poke fun when I became more comfortable with all of my races. I would poke fun and I would say I was a mutt. just had lots of different ancestors from different countries. Now, I'm, you know, whether it's biracial or multiracial, I'm half Korean and I'm half European. And at some point, and I kind of talk about it, is the shame of being different, right? Of looking different, noticing the the slant of the eyes or that my mother looked very different, especially because as a half Asian girl growing up, I really looked more white. And especially when I had other friends who were half Koreans or half Asians, they tended to dominate more in the Asian side, but it was something I could hide from. And with the shame I was growing up with, it was a way that I hid away from it until now. So part of this is owning my story and loving myself as I share this with you. And then before I go into the show, one more thing I'm going to talk about is my name, Karen. And for people, it's really, can be really difficult to say, I get it. And for a long time, I would just let people mispronounce it, call me Karen. It's spelled like Karen, but with an O. So it's K-O-R-E-N. And there's actually a significant 
thought process that went to my name. My mom being Korean, her last name is Ko, K-O. And I guess the tradition of her time was that women, even when they married, they kept their maiden name. And so they would retain that. They wouldn't take on their husband's name. In my mom's era, I don't know if it's still like this, but my mom, you would say your last name first, right? So it would be Modokaitis Karen. <laughs> it's really a lot. So my mom's last name was Ko. And then she would say her first name. And so when my parents got together, they decided for me to keep on my mom's maiden name as well as intertwine it and swirl it (laughs) with my dad's favorite beer. Now, thank goodness I'm 49 and I can share this with you now because talk about having tremendous shame growing up as a kid. I'm different. I'm biracial. My mom is Korean, right? I don't look like the other kids. I don't have blonde hair, blue eyes, don't even look like my cousins. And then I have this weird name. Why can't I just have the name Tiffany, right? Those are the stories that I thought as a kid, I don't belong. And to make matters more complicated for my younger self is my name, even on my birth certificate is spelled with a capital R. So it was like, be really different, right? but I wasn't comfortable with being different. I thought there was something wrong with me. And now I can appreciate that, wow, my parents were really creative. They were blending my mom's traditions with, you know, my dad's favorite beer. And the interesting thing is Kirin beer is a Japanese beer. So Blending that is very interesting, but blending that and making my name Karen instead of the Karen, which is C-O-R-R-I-N-N-E, and then capitalizing the R to make sure that people noticed and would not call me Karen. And then I, at some point, probably in junior high, because I didn't want to be any more different, I just started writing it with a lowercase r. And because of, you know, the, the shame that I had about my race, my identity, the alcoholism of my family, believing that I was a loser from loser street, those weren't things I was willing to talk about. And because of the work that I have done, you know, in my life, I can sit here and share this with you. If here's this unique story that at now in my life, I can be like, wow, here's the story. This is how my name came about. I can see some of the beauty in it as well as I can see that young girl who had shame and who had sadness and who thought there was something wrong with her, all of that in my name. So as a child, I was trying to fit in, do it the right way, not be different, you know, don't draw any other attention (laughs) to myself by having this unique weird name or having a mother who looked very different than me, right? Because my mother was Korean. I look more white. People tend to be, they know I'm something, but they wouldn't necessarily know it's half Asian growing up. And this, there's something wrong with me, right? Which is really that feeling of shame was always kind of perpetuating. And now I, as I said, I can appreciate the difference and I can appreciate the creativity and the fact that my parents were doing it their way instead of thinking there was a right way to do it, which is what we're going to be talking about today. The great question that I get all week long from my clients, very subtly, they don't come to their sessions saying, am I doing it right? But as they're talking, this question often pops out, 
Am I doing it right? Is this the right way? (laughs) Corinne, tell me what the right answer is. (laughs) This question, this right way creates so much pain for my clients, especially they're high performers, they're high achievers, overachievers, right? They work harder. There's got to be more to learn. And they get stuck in thinking, we all get stuck in thinking there's a right way and there's a wrong way. And what happens when we believe that is oftentimes that uncomfortable feeling we're feeling is usually shame. Like, Ooh, see, I'm bad. I'm not going to do it the right way. And we go into that internal shame. I'm bad. I'm broken. Right. We can be afraid that like, if I don't do it the right way, I'm going to get fired. I'm going to lose my belonging. I'm going to lose my place. I'm going to lose whatever it is that I value. And so we compensate with that by hiding away and just being like, okay, I'm not going to deal with this. That's kind of what I did with my name for so long or for my, you know, my ethnicity. I just didn't talk about it. I pretended it wasn't there. I couldn't really run from it, but I pretended I wouldn't address it. So we hide away, or maybe you overwork, right? Which can be a way of doing approval horn. Like, oh, let me just work harder to prove to my boss that I'm really good, even though I'm feeling all the shame or I'm not doing it the right way. Some of us are really good at not only dress rehearsing, taking someone down. <laughs> Often you hear me say dress rehearsing tragedy on the show, but really fantasizing about how I'm going to take somebody down, Right. So the thing is, is that when we do something, it's, they're not binary choices, right? Or zero sum games or all or nothing. Like either I do it the right way or there's a wrong way or that there's good or bad or fixed or growth mindset, right? There's all of it. It's not binary choices. There's option A, there's option B, there's option C, there's option D. And then there's choices and there can be consequences and responsibilities with them. But when we ask ourselves, am I doing it right? Oftentimes it can be a staller, right? It can make us freeze because we're like, but wait, I need to take action. And we're so trying to find the right way. We're not taking any action. We're not solving the problem that's in front of us. And maybe it's, you're trying to figure out what's the quote, right way to be a parent. Like, come on, there are so many ways to parent and we're so many opportunities to mess it up. And there's so many layers to it. And as our kids are growing and changing and we're growing and learning, there's not a right way. There's some things that are illegal to do. And then there's a whole range of what's okay and what's not okay based on your value system. And what I mean by that, it can be as simple as when I was raised Growing up as a child, we would address adults as Mr. and Mrs. As I raised my kids, they were always encouraged to use people's first names. And recently I was with one of my kids and we we're at some place and I said, so I'm noticing your peers are addressing the parents as Mr. and Mrs. That may be something that you may want to take note of, right? And to decide what's okay, what's not okay in that new arena. Now, trying to find the right way, (laughs) it can trigger a shit ton of drama in your head, right? Is it right? Is it not? What's going to happen? Am I going to lose my job? Am I going to get kicked out, right? There's all this drama that happens, which doesn't help you find a solution. 
and you can get stuck and not move forward, right? Like, oh, there's a right way, which is another way for us to say, I need to do it perfectly. And remember, perfection is the birthplace of shame, right? I already brought us to shame earlier, but this is how we get there. Doing it perfectly is the birthplace to shame. And shame is a master emotion. And for many of us, it can take us down, right? Not a great place to be. And it doesn't help us grow the things that we want. So instead of trying to find a right way, the invitation is to be a learner, to allow for mistakes to occur because mistakes are teachers. It's a great way for you to gather information and for you to learn. Mistakes don't mean you're a failure. And I get it. We have been told we need to be A plus students. We need to do things perfectly. There's no exceptions. There's no margin. That's a whole bunch of lies, my friends. We really don't have to do it all perfectly. We really don't have to know it all. What can help us is if we can be a learner versus thinking and believing that we have to do it right. Mistakes don't mean it's never possible for you right? Mistakes are learnings. We get to learn. Things are going to happen and it gives us information and insight. Maybe at work, there's a process that's not established and that's why it looks like something didn't get accomplished on your watch. And now you have the opportunity moving forward to create a system or a process so that doesn't happen again, hopefully. My invitation for you today is to let go of doing it right. It doesn't mean you get to turn off this podcast. And go, Oh, Corinne said, let go of doing it right. I'm no longer going to ask myself this question because it's been so ingrained in our brain, right? It's not one client that asked me that this has been an ongoing question for many, many years from a variety of clients. It is so culturally programmed into us that there's a right way and a wrong way, right? That'd be like, there's good people and bad people. It's not as simple as that. We are complex beings. And I think about like the metaphor of going to San Francisco. There are two different bridges that take you straight into the city from where I live. There's the ferry. There is the BART, which is our Bayer Rapid Transit Transit. There's, you can go on the other side of the bay and drive straight into the city. There's another bridge. There's two other bridges in the Bay Area, right? There's all these different bridges that can get you into the city. There's not a right or a wrong way. For those of you coming from out of California, you could fly into San Francisco. It's actually not in San Francisco, but in the area. There's not a right way. There are choices that you make along the way And there may be consequences, there may be other repercussions or advantages or disadvantages. And so instead of thinking it's either A or B, there's these different options and they have different contexts that may be important, right? So it's not, will you stick with the San Francisco thing? It could be there was a show in the city and there was some traffic on a Saturday evening and we wanted to get there. If we went over the Golden Gate Bridge, which normally takes us longer to go into San Francisco, but because of traffic, it actually took us less time. Plus, we were able to pick up dinner before we went in to see our show, right? 
So there's these different layers that help us make the decision of what will help us get the result that we want. So instead of a right way, what are the factors that you're looking for? Right? I know we have decision fatigue and you're like, Corinne, I'm too exhausted for this. I understand that. Just don't ask yourself, am I doing it right? Instead, ask yourself, what am I learning? Right? That can help you move through it versus am I doing it right? What will I learn by doing this? What do I want? Right? It could even be, what's the problem I'm trying to solve? What are the factors that can help me get closer to solving the problem from what I know today right now? Once you start heading down that path, like as we were driving to San Francisco that day, it was, oh no, we should take the Bay Bridge. (laughs) Because traffic was not looking great that way. And then as we started to factor in where we would eat dinner, it actually seemed a lot easier to fall in through the Golden Gate Bridge, pick up our food and eat there before we went to see our show. And we even thought about getting dinner in Marin before we got in to get into the city. But we decided that we wanted to avoid any potential risks of the bridge being slowed down with traffic. So we decided it's just best to get into the city and then from there eat right? There's all these different contextual layers to making a decision. So what's the problem you're trying to solve versus am I doing it right? What's the problem? What are my options? And what are the, this is really, really important. What is the risk that I'm managing? For us that day, the risk that we were managing was we had a time that we had to get there because of the show starting right? And we didn't want to not be able to go see the show after we'd spent money on the tickets and the time to go down. So what did we need to do to get there? And then the other was making sure that we had food in ourselves so that we wouldn't get hangry during the show, right? Those are the managing risks moments in that situation. That's just a scenario. Managing risks, knowing that what do you want? What's the problem you want to solve? What will you learn from this? It's always learnings. And then afterwards, that's when you get to reflect and you can ask yourself, instead of judging yourself, ask yourself, what are my key learnings? Okay. This is not where we start to beat ourselves up or blame ourselves and go, oh, see, Corinne, you did this wrong. This is to look at what are my key learnings? Oh, if we're going to buy tickets, like let's make this plan ahead of time so that we can really get down there at three o'clock and spend more time you know, trolling around and having a good time eating and then going so that we have more space. So next time we go into the city, that's what we'll do. Remember, there is no right or wrong way. There are legal ways and illegal ways. I'm not talking about that part, right? Like, oh, there's no right or wrong and go ahead and break laws. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in the constraints of legal, there's no right or wrong. There's a whole bunch of layers of choices and options of what you can do. So my invitation today is for you to let go of the right way. Look at it from the different perspectives. Be careful because if you think of you need to have a thousand perspectives, that's totally exhausting. Know what kind of perspectives, like how much capacity you have. It may be three. Sometimes three is all you can do and that's okay. And then manage the risk. Know what your risk is and manage it. And then afterwards, focus on your key learnings. Focus on what did you learn from this? What worked well? And what are your key learnings? 
when you do the what worked well, do not do what I just do where you what worked well and then move forward. What are the key learnings and really indulge in that? Really celebrate what went well. Like, wow, we were able to get into the city. We got that food. We ate it in a parked car and it was really delicious and yummy. And we were able to find parking. We got to the event with plenty of time. That worked really well. What can be improved next time? Let's leave so we can have a couple of hours so that maybe we can actually do dining instead of eating in the car. That's what I'm talking about. You can acknowledge what you can or will improve on without beating yourself up. Our capacity for the beating and the self-loathing is really, really shot with all that we've been through. And so let's not add any more dirty pain to what we're trying to do and accomplish. Instead of asking yourself, am I doing it right? What's the problem you're trying to solve or what is it that you want and what are your options and what are your obstacles in getting there? All right, my friends, I'm smelling big for you. Time to throw out. Am I doing it right? Hey there, before we go, I have a question for you. Have you subscribed to the show yet? This is an awesome opportunity for you to preserve your brain juice. I love the fact that I can subscribe to podcasts and television shows and they go straight to my iPhone or they go straight to my DVR and then I don't have to worry of, oh no, especially with television shows. Did I hit record? Is it going to be there? Or now do I have to watch it on demand and go through all the commercials? So go and hit the subscribe button. There's a link in the show notes and that will ensure you that you never miss a show and you can also save your brain juice for other things in your life. There's way more important things, but you and I will still be connected because the show will be waiting for you in your phone. Go to the link in the show notes, subscribe to the show so you can automatically get all the shows to your phone. On a lake, she is dreaming. She is drifting, never been so wide awake.